Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode this week. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and this week I am joined by somebody who has joined the podcast before, somebody you are all familiar with, um, somebody who I have the pleasure of working with, somebody who I have the pleasure of interacting with, calling a friend, the one and only uh, Arya Schwartz from Windsider. Um, he is the founder of Windsider, host of the, the Windsider show with Rachel Galligan. Um, Arya is uh, also a, a Lynx fan. Um, he's from Minnesota, and he follows Lynx closely as well as he, you know, the rest of the WNBA and the rest of the league. Um, but he always offers great insight on on the Lynx um, and and just where they're at, how they're doing, um, you know, the state of the franchise. He always he does a nice job of, um, you know, kind of taking a deep dive into the roster, uh, the current construction of the roster kind of the behind the scenes thing and he's also somebody that I love talking big picture with because um, you know he does a great job of, of you know whether it's you know the minute somebody's playing this year what does that mean big picture wise or you know and you could go down the line with with things he's, he's great with um, you know the big picture um, ideas and, and those conversations and as well as just talking about the WNBA with him we, we start off this podcast by talking about the WNBA playoffs um, as we near close to the near closer to the WNBA finals um, but we also really kind of take a deep dive into the links. We, we cover or we, we go in depth with this team um, at all aspects. Um, you know, where the roster's at right now, how they did during the year, how they did during the postseason, um, what the future of the team might be, um, what each player on the team needs to do for the future, um, what this, the future of this team could look like in 2024 and beyond. Um, where this team could go um, or how they could do moving forward. Uh, we kind of talk about everything. But it was a great conversation with Arya, and, and I appreciate him joining the podcast. Before we get into the podcast recording, um, I want to mention our Patreon page. Um, you can visit patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Just because the link season is over does not mean that that content stops. Um, a lot of exclusive content, a lot of ex- exclusive perks. You get early access to podcasts like this. You get um, exclusive content you don't get anywhere else. You get notified about different news items before anybody else. Um, and, and there's a lot more, more perks. You get discounts that are hitting the hardwood store. Um, you name it, you can get it. So please go check that out. You can find out what each membership entails at patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood this off season. Um, you know, even coming up here in the next week or two, I plan on having uh, a couple different, uh, Patreon exclusive content pieces for our patrons, um, that, that could include, um, you know, looking at, you know, positions of need or areas of need for this team, what I think that they need to work on this off season, um, as well as maybe some names that, that Minnesota could target in the offseason. I, I will uh, have both of those at, at our Patreon page for our patrons. Um, so I appreciate everybody that, that has already showed support of our, our Patreon community and our Patreon page. Um, and But if you don't, please go check that out. Try a free trial. Um, if you like it, please consider um, you know paying for a membership, which is, is not much a month. It's, it's you know, less than a handful of dollars, depending on which tier you choose. Um, so go check that out. Once again, it's patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Now let's get into the podcast with Arya Schwartz. Arya, how you doing, man? Not too shabby, not too shabby. Just finished a little run, you know. Yeah, yeah. We so we were just talking about that. You're you're a avid runner, you like running, you've done a marathon. Um, what what why? I, I guess as somebody I've never really gotten into running. Why 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 running? Uh, I don't have a good answer. No, I don't know. I've always just liked it. Uh, did high school track and it's always, I don't know. It's nice to kind of clear the mind, but mm-hmm. it's funny cause, um, some people will know this, uh, Rachel's one of them. Cause like I'll, Rachel and I will both like, just be like working out. No, if 
she hates talking while she works out and I love talking while I'm running. So I'm always like trying to find somebody to like uh, half my tweets are misspelled because I'm in the middle of running. <laughs> and um, Yeah, no, I don't know. There's just something calming about it. Yeah. Hey, more power to you. That's that's awesome. I wish I could get into running. I just I've never really been somebody to to do so. But um, well, thank you for joining um, on the podcast this week. Um, we're. We're at the end of obviously, as as everybody knows, we're at the end of the link season. We're still we still have some some WNBA playoffs going on. Before we jump into to links, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what we've we've seen so far from from the playoffs. I know um, as we're recording this podcast, Las Vegas just uh, clinched their spot in the um, in the WNBA finals, and and we're still waiting to see what happens between New York and Connecticut. But overall, what what has been kind of your your thought on on the postseason so far? I think it's been fun. Um, I think, you know, would have loved to see Dallas win a game just for the, ex- like for me, a preferred playoff is every series going to the max amount of games. Cause I want as much excitement, as much, you know, publicity and building of the W. So obviously a little disappointed on that front. Cause we've seen a few sweeps, um, but that's it overall. I mean, we're seeing an insanely impressive, historic run from Asia, even though she struggled a little bit scoring wise last game. Um, We've seen Stewie, who was stuffing the stat sheet in a variety of ways, you know, start pouring on the points finally in their last game. Uh, Alyssa Thomas doing Alyssa Thomas things like every game she's continues even in the playoffs to be, you know, teasing a triple double. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we've seen some growth. You know, we saw the excitement early on of the Ryan Howard, Alicia Gray uh, against the Dallas Wings, Satu Sabli, Enrique Gumbale battle. Like there's been some exciting games and we're getting close to the to the end. It's kind of bittersweet. I don't know. What do you think? It it's been it's been fun. I mean, it, it I think it's hard to judge right now because everybody, I think, is just patiently awaiting to see if we do get a Las Vegas, New York matchup. And that's mm-hmm. what what everybody inevitably thought would happen. Um, so I get, I guess it's not, it has been surprising to me, really. Um, it, it, what has been kind of surprising is, is kind of like what you said with, you know, series not really being that competitive. I mean, in the first round, Minnesota, Connecticut was the only one that went to three games. Um, otherwise, the other ones ended, ended in a sweep. Um, you know, even in the semifinals, I mean, Las Vegas just kind of breezed through it, although they, you know, you could say kind of struggled in, in game three. Maybe it's just Dallas stepping up in game three, whatever that may be. But, you know, they relatively, you know, breezed through that. Um, but, I mean, Connecticut, New York, that's been a fun fun back and forth. But it's kind of been uneventful to some extent. But it's still been eventful at the same time, if that makes sense. But, it, you know, it's been fun. But I, I think it's hard to judge right now because I, I think, like I said, we're all just kind of patiently waiting for what, what could happen, even if it's Connecticut-Las Vegas, just that finals matchup whoever the other team is, I think will be really entertaining. I mean, well, we've seen what we saw season, right? Which right. is Las Vegas and New York are leaps beyond the rest of the league. And, and that's not disrespect to Connecticut. I am a huge Alyssa Thomas proponent, voted her for MVP. Um, I just think that we knew this. Maybe some of us, <clears throat> me, were you know hoping for more of you know an upset uh something no something unexpected to happen you were hoping um, for dallas to win just so you could win some money 
Yes, but but <laughs> wait, 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 but wait, 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 wait. First of all, totally true. I will say I totally understand betting now or the sports betting when you start betting on things like when you don't have a horse in the race and you're like, I'm going to put money on this blanketly just because it like it was ten dollars. I would have won a thousand who wouldn't do that bet. I, you know, I got more ten than ten dollars worth of enjoyment from it um, because it made watching their games more exciting Mm -hmm. now did i think they were going to win it no there's a reason that the odds made it tend to make a thousand (laughs) dollars like come on people um but even if it wasn't just them you know to see washington maybe pull one victory off against the uh against new york to see you know minnesota getting a win against connecticut was like arguably the most exciting upset or surprise right like the other than that like asia wilson scoring 30 points it's been impressive but i wouldn't say anybody is like surprised to see asia wilson set records and just defy what we know is humanly possible you know i mean like players are i i guess there hasn't been like a a huge like oh my god eye-opening i can't believe this happened type thing i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely i i definitely agree with that what what do you think will ultimately happen? Um, you know, do we do you think we we end up getting that that New York Connecticut matchup? Do you think we now the by the time this podcast drops, we might already have that matchup? But yeah, whoever it might be, what do you think that that finals you know matchup will look like, and and are, how much are you looking forward to it? I guess. I mean, I always look forward to the finals. Um, on on, I I guess I would say I would have a lot more. I think it would be more exciting if it's New York, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's going to be these two heavyweights. They might be blowout games, as we've seen happen sometimes between them during the regular season. Personally, <clears throat> I think Connecticut like just got, and there's something cursed about the Connecticut Sun almost. Like I, I, I honestly am curious if their fan base has like, you know how sports fan bases will have some curse or whatever. Um, I wonder if they believe in some curse or something. I would love to jump on that bandwagon because you just look at them historically and it's like since Dewana Bonner got there, the dream was to have JJ Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, uh, Jazz Thomas. Like they never got that because of injuries whenever they were thriving and looking. And one season they finished the league as the number one team and just putter out in the playoffs when Alyssa Thomas comes back and they just, you know, I when they talk about how hard it is to repeat, because so many things have to go right. You can't have injuries. You you need your best players to not have off games in the playoffs, or if they do, you need your role players to truly step up and fill that gap. And the great teams find ways to win. And Connecticut, I think, is a great team that just doesn't have luck on their side. It just seems like once they overcome one, you know, injury, one player leaving in the offseason something else happens like how good were they on that end like since Bree Jones went down they had a learning curve and then Mm -hmm. they were competitive with New York and Vegas as a top three team and then we get to the playoffs and right before the playoffs Carrington goes down and then we're in the playoffs and Natisha Heideman is throwing up on the sidelines and then uh you know Tiff Hayes is her knees injured and then it's better but then she gets smacked in the head and then uh, Dwana Bonner gets smacked in the nose and then Becca Allen goes down and like, it's just like nothing can go right for them. And I just think as amazing as Alyssa Thomas has been, and I 
do think you know there's there should be some like mini trophy or pen, pin that you get for getting the most mvp first place votes but not yeah. winning the award i don't know um but i just think uh new york is going to whether hard fought whether it goes to five i would be surprised to see connecticut make it to the finals not that it wouldn't be an amazing cinderella story to see them somehow pull off some victory um because i don't think vegas was as impressive in these last two games as a sweep might show Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, i i I agree i mean it's it almost just seems like in all the injuries and all the the you know the aspects that you just touched on are are factors and all this but just seems like connecticut's just kind of running out of steam um and and that's i mean it's hard to do to to make a deep playoff run when you are you know dealing with injuries or you already have been dealing with injuries during the season like they have and you know, credit to them for, for being able to, um, you know, put the run together that they have. And it, like you said, it, it kind of seems like we've, we've been through this story with them before where it's, you know, they're an impressive team and they just kind of run out of gas or there's another reason why they, they aren't able to get over that hump. Um, and we'll have that same conversation probably next year of, is this the year that they're going to finally get over the hump? And because this is a Minnesota Lynx podcast, I have to mention that I feel like the Lynx might've been, the coin on the railroad tracks mm-hmm. that derailed them at like the butterfly flap that turned into some crazy storm on the other side of the world, because you look at this Connecticut team that runs so heavy on their star players and they lose that game and they're forced to play another game and they get less rest time. And then you see injuries you know, compile or pile up and and whatever and compress and all that jazz. And so for me, I look at it and I don't think it's a crazy statement to say that the Minnesota Lynx getting that one victory could have been, you know, I'm not going to say it's the end all be all, but like the starting of that derailment um, or the kind of the downswing of this team, because look, it's a 40 game season. There's never been a season this long. And then you like, they have played the most games Vegas has played the least games of the teams that are left. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is very true. That's a good transition into, uh, and into talking a little, little links. Um, let's start first with their, their playoff series with Connecticut that we were just kind of talking about. What, what were some, some maybe key takeaways for you from that series on, on, you know, the perspective of Minnesota. Man, they struggled at times and fee is amazing. That on it, like that's what it came in my mind. That like, if I could say it in a nutshell, they really struggled at times. And Fee is amazing. Um, I I had some some wild takes during it. Um, but I also I think if like, look, I was very very vocal about thinking it was more beneficial for this team to not make the playoffs. But I think to see Diamond Miller get a playoff experience and struggle it can only be good to have that experience and grow from it dorka i think has solidified herself as a starter next like in my opinion you you can look at this team after the extension of mcbride and i know now i'm just going on a crazy rant but like the i guess it gave me hope Mm -hmm. it gives you hope it i agree and it also it exposed what i think a lot of us thought going into the year that Minnesota just didn't have a lot of firepower. They didn't have, you know, a lot of talent to to kind of surround fee. I mean, Kale McBride did all she could all year long, 
But outside of that, they couldn't find a consistent scorer outside of her, uh, outside of Fee. So, I mean, and that, and that was exposed in, in, you know, specifically game three, when they shut down everybody else, it was, you know, Fee can go off for 30 points and it's still not enough. And that's, you know, that's something that, you know, I don't, I don't think ever, you know, people thought that Minnesota was going to be able to put, you know, put that team together where, you know, they would win a playoff series or anything like that. I don't think that was a realistic expectation going into the season. Um, but, and there's a lot of stuff to work on this off season, but it was a good, it was, yes, I agree with you. It, it gave you hope. And it also kind of reassured you what we all thought of, okay, they need to, they need to add obviously some pieces to this team yet to, to kind of, you know, t- tidy up what, you know, what this team could look like and, and kind of, you know, drive that home. But it, it was a fun series. I mean, I, I didn't going into the series. I thought that Minnesota was going to win a game after game one. I didn't think they were going to win a game. It, I mean, after you lose by 30 and the way they lost, I was like, ooh, it, it's going to be tough to, to bounce back on the road like Minnesota did, but you know, that to your point of the playoff experience, that's that's not only good for, you know, the rookies, but everybody else on the roster that gives Fee another, um, you know, another kind of notch in her belt of getting, you know, getting more playoff experience and being able to thrive in playoff um, in that atmosphere and in in those on that stage is, I think, important for her. Um, but I mean, Dorka Juhas talked about at the beginning of, or at the end of the year, excuse me, how she stepped on the court in game one and she's like, holy crap, this I'm starting in the playoffs. Like that, that to me said all you need to know about them getting that experience. Uh, they, I mean, obviously they've never done that before, but to, to be able to get that experience and now be able to handle everything in the, in the regular season, some of those big moments in the regular season don't seem so big because you've been through bigger moments um, that'll only benefit them. And, and it teaches them what, what they need to work on, especially, you know, Diamond Miller, I think has, has the most work on out of those two. And, and that'll only help her, you know, be able to better perfect her game, game moving forward. But yes, I agree. It, it definitely gave hope. Um, and, and we definitely saw some bright spots too, but, um, when it, when it comes to, you know, the, the season overall, I mean, it, you know, people always talk about the, the and six start, um, you know, starting off at the bottom of the league fighting back. Can we talk about that? Wait, can yeah. we just, yep. Let, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Why I don't understand, like, and I'm not even trying to be a jerk here. I just don't understand. People are sitting here talking like, oh, the team started 0-6 and they turned it around. And like, this isn't shade at Reeve, but like Reeve should be coach of the year because of it. And look, there's a lot of people that I respect that share this opinion. Like, I'm not out here being like, you're an idiot if you blow. But she coached that 0-6 start. So, like, unless she was trying to lose and it was all part of a master plan or something crazy, like, that was arguably the healthiest. I mean, the team was pretty healthy, I feel like, in the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I'll say this. If we want to talk about, you know, that multiple stints during the season, but the 0-6 start specifically, like, how much was Powers playing? Like, and that's a, a different topic for the whole season to be discussed <laughs> because, and I would even argue for if we really want to talk about it, the playoff series also is like, if you want your team to do the best possible and your team can't score at all right now, why don't you put in a player who, even if you're going to play her for less than 10 minutes, 
and is going to airball the ball and is going to have two turnovers might score a couple times and spark something because they feed off of each because that's how teams work. They feed off each other. When one player starts hitting it, hopefully it kind of sparks something and gets it going. But like, we got to stop praising a turnaround from an Owen six start to then being under 500 when you had an opportunity to be 500 or better with three games to go in the season. It's just, I don't know. I think more so it, it might not be the fact that they, you know, they turned around after an 06 start. I think it was the, how high they went after that, you know, reaching almost the four seed after being at the bottom. I think that that's maybe more so the, the view of that. Um, but, you know, I, I do agree with you. I mean, it's over a 40-game season. Six games isn't that, you know, isn't that much of the season. But the fact but also, that they – Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, but also they I, they didn't get to fourth place. They ended the season right. in what, sixth place? Sixth place. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me – I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, this team, like the majority of the league makes the playoffs making the playoff. Like, I'm not trying to be rude here, but like Minnesota is a dynasty, right? Like they are supposed to be a place that free agents want to go to. They're supposed to be a place that has the best coach, some of the best facilities, some of the best partnerships with their, their NBA counterpart and things like that. Like for so long, they were that place that players wanted to come to. And if you're going to to have that bar, have that excellency, making the playoffs is not enough, right? Like you need, and like, look, fair argument. They want a playoff game, so fine. You know, I mean, like, how much more do I really expect for this team to do? Fair, but like to think of this this season as like this grand great thing. Like we're looking for positives, and we can say there's growth, whatever. But like they started on six they finished sub 500 i would think that most people on the on the team would not look at this season and go great success you know mm-hmm. what i mean i would think they would go okay there's things we can build on but like if we look at it from a whole our goal was to win a championship and we didn't get anywhere close to that mm-hmm. i think even you know I, yes i do agree with you um with with the dynasty aspect i think maybe more so of you know this team coming into the year when a lot of people thought that they would be a bottom four team they'd be a rebuilding team i said that um yeah i mean i i thought yeah. this i thought the same thing and then after that own six start i thought it even more but yeah i the fact oh, that oh, oh and 40 man oh and 40. right yeah I, I was the i was i was marking that at, at oh and six i i kind of thought that maybe that that might be a possibility no, i <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but when it when it comes to like the expectations coming into the year and and kind of especially after that start, if you would have said to anybody following the team or even the team itself, hey, you're gonna end up making the playoffs, you're gonna win one game, you're gonna take, you know, a, a tough three seed to you know, a game three at home. Not a home playoff game. I would say that they would consider that a success. Now I know that the the gold standard and, and kind of the standard of this team is is beyond that, but I think you, you have to also you know take into account where they were at this year. They were nowhere close, you know, even being a, a serious playoff contender. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say you know looking back on the year, with what they wanted to accomplish, they wanted you know Cheryl Rivas talked about this being able to this year they really wanted to develop you know they've never really had that 
that task of being able to develop. They've always gone into free agency. They've had these stars on the, you know, on the, in the starting lineup or on the roster that didn't need that development. Um, so this year was, was kind of a new space for them and, and they wanted to develop, they wanted to get that experience. And I think overall that they were able to do that. And, you know, like the, like the team said, they, they did find success along the way. They had some good moments. They did have some, some very bad moments too, but um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, if looking back, you know, where we were at the beginning of the year and looking at this team, um, you know, out of training camp or even coming into the year, um, you know, now that we know what happened throughout the season of them reaching the playoffs and, and you know, playing a tough three seed, you know, to, to a winner take all game three, I, I consider it a success and, and it's only going to, you know, continue to grow from here. But I, I would say that it's it overall is a successful season. I will say I was one of those who said they wouldn't make the playoffs. I had very low expectations. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I accept too. when I was wrong. Um, yet another comment in there that I feel like I fell into, but I, and I was and I accept it. I acknowledge it. They did better than I expected. I do agree that based on my own words of where I expected them to be, you can consider this season a success. Um, and 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 I also will say one of my biggest pet peeves with the Lynx throughout the years has been their lack of player development. And it kind of, I've been, you know, screaming, the storm is coming, the storm is coming, and everyone's been like, you're crazy. I'm like, we need to develop players if you want to grow. If you want to continue success, you're not just going to, like, eventually, you can't just be, you know, stop gap here stop gap here that just doesn't work especially in a league that it's just so hard cap wise to keep depth mm-hmm. um you really need to find players and slowly develop them uh into fitting roles so mm-hmm. you know i'm happy to hear that right and and i if you know if obviously if minnesota would have been able to to dip into free agency and and get some of those those headlining stars last off season you know, they wouldn't have needed that that development to take place because they have players in those in, in those spots like and they've done that in years past. But to your point that that's kind of where it you get exposed is when you aren't able to sign those players. Now, what what do we have? What do we have behind them? Minnesota has never really had too much behind them that they could, you know, young players that they could just insert into the starting lineup. And this year they've they've had to they were forced to do that more so than anything. Um you know, with with the needs of this team now that now that we've had a season, um, you know, the full season done or the season is over. What do you think are are the biggest needs uh, on on this Lynx team moving forward? Three point shooting and three point defense. Like they have. Kayla McBride is. And if you haven't already, you should check out the Windsider film room on YouTube where Rachel and I interview Kayla and discuss her game and break it down. Kayla McBride is a really, really good shooter. But if we're going to talk about from an honest perspective, she can be streaky. Now, a lot of people will push back at me and say, look at her stats. She's not a streaky shooter. She shoots in bulk or she makes in bulks and misses in bulk. And so, yes, if if you look at the season as a whole, she's going to have great shooting percentages. But when you break it down per game, you'll have some cold games. You'll have some really hot games. You don't have too many medium games. And that's not me trying to knock her. That's me trying to look at this as a GM and say, she's my serious three-point threat. Besides Rachel Bannum, who I don't think 
they should be bringing back unless it's minimum last day signing because they weren't find, able to find other options. But that's a whole different topic. But like when we when we're honest about it, right, those were the only real three point threats. That's not a knock against fee fees. Three point shooting has gotten much better. But, you know, Tiff Mitchell isn't an elite three point shooter. Jessica Shepard, Bridget Carlton, Milich, like Diamond, like none of these players are really great three point shooters. And you can't list your whole roster and say, like, none of these players are elite three point shooters besides McBride. You know what I mean? You need more scoring and volume and you need players who are going to be able to step up when someone goes cold. Like, you know, Las Vegas, as an example, in in game two, uh, uh, Kelsey Plum shoots or makes one point in the first half. Other players are stepping up and keeping an interesting game. Then next half, she's able to get hot. But you need those players to step in. And the problem was this whole season, I think it became abundantly clear that Fee just put the whole team on her back. Sometimes McBride was hitting shots. And when she was, this team looked pretty good, right? Like, because they had two competent scorers. But then even then, there was that third score missing. When you get to the playoffs, you need your two best players to be scoring in bulk. And then you either need the rest of the team to be scoring pretty evenly, or you need one third, like a third player to step up and be scoring. Like that's how the Lynx had success throughout their own history. It was Maya and Sill, and then Simone was scoring a bunch, or it was some, you know, you like had those three players, any combination of them. But then when it came to playoff time, like some years, Sill was the MVP. Some years, Maya was the MVP. And they were the two main scorers throughout the whole season or whoever we had instead of, of Sill at the time. But when playoffs came around, everybody elevated their game. One other person stepped up. Renee Montgomery came in when Moan wasn't hitting shots, but that never really happened. Uh, <laughs> when Maya wasn't hitting shots, um, you know, other people came in uh, on a crew. You know what I mean? So like you need that depth. And I think we saw that in Minnesota in, when they were successful. And that's what's been lacking. And to me, I think you have players on this team that could be really, really good depth pieces. I, like Bridget Carlton, Jessica Shepard are really good depth pieces. Tiffany Mitchell is really good depth piece. Carlton's the only one who I think is accurately priced. And that's what I think is going to be the issue is you have, you know, almost... 300k and tiffany mitchell and jessica shepherd what's gonna like what that's the interesting part for me for me like you, they have more money now but the players who are uh like expected to be back like what happens with them what do you think's the biggest need i would say you know i don't disagree with with what you said i would maybe say the biggest need yes it's shooting it's shooting definitely um, but I would even say point guard, just stability at the mm. point guard position, not mm -hmm. necessarily bringing somebody in, but just having stability there for the first time since Lindsey Whalen was with the Lynx, um, I think would be huge. I mean, we this is nothing against Lindsey Allen, but if they could get somebody in to, you know, take over the starting spot, maybe have Lindsey Allen come off the bench. She's a great backup. I mean, she's she's arguably a starter. Um, she did well as a starter this year in Minnesota. But, you know, with when she was out. That I mean, Cheryl Reeve even said in the playoffs that made a difference in the playoffs. Like not having that that floor general, um, you know, makes a difference. And and you could say at the end of regular season and in the playoffs, um, you know, that was really exposed on this team. Um, so I I would say having stability, whether it's 
you know, having somebody that you sign, you know, uh, it's kind of dwindling down, but let's say you go sign somebody this off season or draft somebody, um, having somebody there or, or I, I backtrack a little bit, or if that doesn't take place, if you don't draft or sign somebody at that position, you don't trade for somebody, whatever it may be, having Lindsay Allen, you know, take over that, that role and kind of run with it. Um, I, I, you know, think that would be huge to, to have that and to, to just have that, you know, that same person running this off season or that this offense, because like I said, we've seen whether it's crystal danger field or, uh, Mariah Jefferson, or, or you name it, they've they've just had this, you know, constant, you know, f- rotation of of different starting point guards, and and they just need a solid point guard at the position and solidify that position moving forward. So I would say that that's probably to me the one of the biggest things um, this off season that they need to address. I would say shooting in in that point guard position, but well, um, but that's I mean I completely agree with you. I but from my perspective, I think part of the blame for that is Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Because is, is whoever's taking on that GM role because you've had years now, granted that you haven't had the greatest of options, but you had crystal Dangerfield. You let her go mm-hmm. like, and like she's now in the play or she was in the playoffs till last night, um, having great success in New York and then Dallas and, you know, you had Mariah Jefferson. Granted, her health is in question. <clears throat> we saw her be successful here when she was healthy. I think looking at this free agent class, there's not many options. Um, obviously, you want to try and throw the kitchen sink at Natasha Cloud, in my opinion, or Skylar Diggins Smith, whichever one of those players you think vibes best with coaching and play style built around Nafisa. Because that needs to be your key. You know she's an MVP caliber player. It's just a matter. I mean, she's the super whatever MVP already at one mm-hmm. 40 minutes into being overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I I guess my worry. Yeah, wait, no one ever asked this. Let me flip this on you. What's your worry for this coming year for this team? Because if I were to say anything, my worry is that they're going to try an equation that they've tried before at the point guard slash shooting depth position. My worry is that they maybe throw a little bit too much money at, at a free agent mm. and that that might, you know, kind of handcuff them in adding to different pieces beyond this season or beyond the 2024 season. Because I mean, you look at at the twenty twenty four, you know, well, let let's look after the twenty twenty four season, not to jump too far ahead, but a lot of their contracts come off the books. I mean, you basically have the four pillars of this team: Nafis Collier, Kayla McBride, Diamond Miller, and Dorky Uhas under contract for that twenty twenty five season as of right now. So I I just don't want them to you know kind of handcuff themselves like they did with those those three free agents of. McBride, obviously that that has been the best signing out of, of out of the trio. But the McBride, Ariel Powers, uh, Natalie Chanwa offseason, where they just threw a bunch of money at them, and now they're trying to kind of recover from that. Um, For so fans I, to understand, McBride and Powers made the same amount of money this past year. Yeah, yeah, it that's a lot of money to be sitting on your bench, and or. Natalie Chanwa with not even playing, which for a good reason she was on maternity leave, but 
yeah, that I mean, if, it's 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 I just don't want them to, you know, do that again and feel mm-hmm. the urgency to do that. Um, and I don't know if that urgency is there necessarily, but I just, you know, especially that that's what worries me with a player like Natasha Cloud. Nothing against Natasha Cloud. I think she'd be phenomenal in Minnesota, but for what price? That that's yeah, the, that's the question. Yeah. Also, I think, you know, if we're being realistic, you look at DC and you think about the situation with Deladon. Yeah. And Cloud and does Deladon maybe take a little less to keep Cloud? Like what happens there is an interesting equation. Um, can we please, because I've been dying, can we just talk about aerial powers? Yeah. Please. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Making like so, very close to the max. She's making 200K. Yeah. Like, and I you think... sit her the whole season. You play her like, okay. I have so many questions. One, what what went into when they did play her? Right? Like, what what happened that they decided, you know what, we're gonna give you 10 minutes right now? Why not? I think part part of it at so we, you know, you and I both know they've they've tried to move on from her. They've tried, mm-hmm. they tried during the year to to part ways with her. Um, a contract buyout is or a, what the WNBA likes to call a divorce. Um, that isn't always as easy as it sounds. I mean, you, you still have to pay some, you have to play, pay a player a certain amount of money to buy them out. And sometimes that contract isn't agreed upon by both parties. And I think that that's what the situation was with Minnesota. Minnesota tried to get, you know, not get rid of her, but trade her away. Um, and that didn't ultimately happen either. And wasn't, a, wasn't a possibility or they couldn't find a, a suitor, especially at her price tag. Um, so, well, because, because Minnesota was basically at the cap and they had to get her to agree to a divorce that she would like, cause she's guaranteed that money. Sorry. I'm just going to explain this a little bit. No, you're good. So she had to agree to give up enough money for them to sign a player. So like a minimum contract basically is Mm -hmm. what 60, 72 K so she had to give up like more than a four or, a, you know what I mean? Like a large portion of her contract that she's guaranteed mm-hmm. that they signed her for so that Minnesota could get another player. And Minnesota was trying to be like, okay, but if we do this, then you can sign to another team and get paid by them. But every other team for the most part in the league was also strapped for cash. Mm-hmm. So no one was going to be able to offer her an amount and it just sorry continue no it that that's good insight because i don't think a lot of people realize that or understand that but i also think there there was a point that you know minnesota couldn't buy her out or they they couldn't agree to that so they wanted to put her in the lineup keep her in you know in shape keep kind of put that tape out there so that people could see glimpses of what you know what she's doing to kind of up her value to be able to move her eventually now, as I said earlier, her contract was is expensive. I mean, it's near max deal, um, you know, so that that would be hard to make that work for other teams, especially with the the salary reasons and and whatnot. But it and that's why we don't see trades that often during the season because it is hard to do. Um, but it it ultimately just it it just kind of spiraled down from there. And I think both just kind of you said you know what we're done we're you know, we'll, we'll throw you in here and there a few minutes and 
Um, but you're just going to ride it out and we're ultimately going to part ways. But it, it's very odd too that, you know, like you said, that it's just, it was very like here and there type minutes. Like they would throw her in for like three minutes in one game. And then in, like in two weeks, she doesn't play in the one yeah. game, she'll play 15 minutes and then she doesn't play for another week. Like it's, it's just kind of, it was very sporadic and, and kind of odd, but it's just and an odd situation all around. If I'm being honest and I know that the easy response is that, hey, man, we were trying to play or develop, so rotations are going to be a little bit wonky. But my biggest what if or my biggest disappointment of the season, I think, was the rotations of this team. Because, and I'm going to include Powers in that, because I think she was a great example of it, of just like, look, there's periods where I understand, you know, a coach is trying to make a point. There's a disagreement going on. There's a contract dispute. There's a, or, you know, a player's as coaches love to say, like, oh, if they have a good practice, we'll play them. If not, we won't. You know, what I mean, like there's a, a billion reasons why a player could possibly not be playing but when you're paying them that much. And then you're they are healthy. You know, they're healthy. You see them. They're not on the injury report. You see them doing warm ups. And then you're just like not playing them consistently. I mean, and I'm not, there's much more than just powers, but like at a certain point, in my opinion, I'm not, I, I will leave it up to the listeners ears, whether or not we got to that point this season, but at a certain point, if you continue to not play a player who you're paying near max contract, a three point shooter, an offensive threat. Yes. A player who can, you know, make a like we all know who aerial powers is right but like you're struggling to score throughout the season and at a certain point you're putting your pride it seems or you're putting the dispute or the message you're trying to send before the better of or before winning which i guess you could argue that it's still the betterment of the team but like at I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. needed some scoring. You needed someone to shoot and you're putting in like a bunch of players who can't shoot. Mm-hmm. I think that that too is, is also, you know, whether you like it or not, that's, that's a coaching staff that surely putting, pushing the chips in on development, um, you know, and just saying, you know what, even if we you know lose more often than not, we're developing this here, regardless of what happens. Um, and I don't know. I, I do. I, you know, I, I'm somebody that I thought we're going to get to the playoffs and it's going to be, okay, we're going to see 25 minutes aerial powers off the bench. I, I said that, you know, in game three, because AP came in in the first half and I, I don't even know how much she played in the first half, but, you know, she put a, a decent stint together and I'm like, this is a game we're going to see 20 minutes of AP off the bench because we're trying to, you know, trying to get a lift off, you know, from anybody at that point. Um, that ultimately didn't happen and it still, it was kind of, you know, head scratching overall, but that, that was the season in totality, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it was just a, ultimately it was a, a clash of, of personalities of, of, you know, two people believing in going in two different directions. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it's just AP. I'm not saying it's any other player specifically, but I know that there were, some players on the team where, you know, the coaching staff had, had talked about during the year of, well, they didn't single out any player. They didn't say it was necessarily anybody on this team, but they said, 
you know, the players who, who are a key part of our team, who were, you know, were playing regular minutes, they put the team before themselves. They weren't arguing about minutes. They weren't, you know, complaining about not playing. They weren't complaining about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And to me that, that was telling because it, I take that as there's somebody on this team or there's multiple people on this team that did that. Mm-hmm. And to me that, I mean, I, I can't look at anybody else, but, but aerial powers in, in being that, that kind of player. And that would say a lot to me. And that would explain a yeah. lot. That fair, but because I love playing devil's advocate, I, if I were to push back on that sentiment and that I think that's a fine sentiment for a coach to make, but I also think at a certain point, coaches and the staff need to look themselves in the mirror because whether or not I appreciate a player complaining about their minutes, I can still look at it and or I can still look at it from the sense of like, maybe they're right. Not that you should be complaining to me about minutes. Maybe it's the approach that's wrong. But like, if I'm the head coach and a player comes up to me and goes, hey, I need to be getting more minutes. This is ridiculous. I need to be playing. Yeah, I'm going to be pissed off. But I might also look at it and go, well, we do need more scoring. Like, I want to give her more minutes because we need her game, right? We need her offense. We need her intensity and the way she gets the crowd into the game. Like, there's a like a multiple layers of aerial powers this game. I'm not saying that she changes this season and makes it, you know, they're in the semifinals against New York or, you know, in a completely different seed or whatever. But, at, you know, again, you're not playing a player it's it just seems like it's you're trying like this is more of like a college thing where you're trying to send a message to the players versus i don't know but hey maybe that's how you build culture that it it also the fact that it lasted a season long um, span is is interesting because like you said when you're trying to prove something sometimes it takes a quarter of the season, a, you know, a week, a quarter of the season, a half a season, whatever it may be. But then it ends up turning around where we just, we were all waiting for that to happen and it just never did. But it, it, I, it was just, it's a head scratching thing just because of the fact that, you know, if she was making $90,000, you know, I don't think like Nina Milich, I don't think, you know, people would really, you know, think that much about it. But yeah. the fact that she was a near max player at, and the team was like playing less than 12 players and this isn't that honestly uh in like given the context of the situation my favorite moment of the link season uh was towards the end of the season all of this has just been building up boiling over boiling over to the point where like everyone just like stopped talking about it because it was just like it wasn't even an elephant in the room it was like the room was the elephant mm-hmm. um and Powers gets like a random stint of minutes as would happen once a month. And she's just hyping up the crowd. Like she might have jumped on the scorers table or so, like runs into the crowd as high fiving fans mid game after hitting a bucket. Like, and that's the type of player that I almost feel like this team was missing. There's many aspects to her, as we've said, right? And this is just one. There's others that were not as positive for the team. But this team was kind of missing that player that engaged the crowd, that had that, I don't know, that swag, that that oomph. Uh, I think Diamond Miller had it, but then she only had it when she was on. 
And there was some times where she was very off this season. Um, I'm curious for you. Do you, after watching this season, does your opinion of Diamond Miller and Dorka, obviously I think they've changed, right? We know more. But do you think that like uh, going into the season, the majority of people would say priority list, Diamond and Dorka below. Um, do you, has that changed for you? Do you view that any differently? Are they more on equal footing? I would almost say that they're more on equal footing than what they were at the beginning of the year. Um, when comparing both of them, I would say Diamond Miller probably was about the kind of player that I thought. I thought it was going to be an up and down season for her just because there was a lot of learning that she needed to do. I think Dorka, and now I'll say this as I was, you know, I, I said at the beginning of the year too, I know uh, Rachel has talked about this of her being the steal of the draft. I definitely agree with that. But I think that she exceeded expectations. Diamond maybe met expectations. To, mm -hmm. So to me, that kind of brings them unequal footing. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, they both started a majority of the season. I mean, Diamond Miller started in every game that she was playing in, but Dorka started most of the the season with Jess Shepard out. Um, and now they're they're going to be starters. I mean, I, I would be surprised if Dorka's not a starter. Um, they have a decision to make with what they're going to do with, with Jess Shepard and Dorka and how that that's all going to work out. They would, you know, be great, you know, kind of complimenting each other as coming off the bench and starting. But um, I mean, it, I would say that, you know, Dorka has Dorka took a bigger leap in a bigger step than I thought she would initially. Um, and like I said, I was high on her, but I, I would say that Diamond Miller maybe didn't take the same kind of step, um, but she kind of just she was, you know, she kind of met where I was thinking she might be this year. Yeah, I mean, I think with Diamond, it's going to take a few. Well, I always say it's the three to five year window is when you really know because yep. the I mean, it's going to be maybe that will shrink to three to four just because the season's longer now. Um, and I mean, so that will be an interesting aspect. I also think I try and if Diamond and Dorka were both picked at like seven. Yeah, that that's how I try and view it. Like, how would I if I if they were both picked at seven? I would still like I just think Dorka had more of an impressive season. Like I think if we ignored where they were picked and we just looked at like impact, I know that they impact the game in very, very different ways. Um, but I I at least I think Dorka had a better season. Mm -hmm. Um and so it definitely makes me in like you were saying. Uh I gotta brush up on my CBA and see how the W does contract restructuring. Uh, because 123 for Jess Shepard, not guaranteed, is going to be a tough mark. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like when you only have six players on contract and less than 700K in cap room. So it's going to take a little bit of finagling to make that work. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I When when talking about Dorka and Diamond, I, I think that maybe Dorka, I don't want to say she's at her peak because I don't think she is, but she's just a rookie. But she you know, when comparing her and diamond, I think diamond has a, well, she does have a higher ceiling. Like diamond has more room for improvement. She could take diamond has step. that superstar. Like, yeah, that je ne sais quoi. Right. Um, whereas Dorka with not. Dorka, I don't know if she, you know, she will reach that level. She'll be, you know, a starting center, which is no, you know, that's nothing to, you know, answer me this though. Is, is that, superstar 
sprinkling that that like you know that glistening is that just her offense you know like sometimes I, and and i'm not even saying this like a you whatever like it's just me thinking out loud like how often when we judge players or when we're thinking about players are we thinking to ourselves because i mean dorka is doing things th- this is gonna be a ridiculous comparison but Alyssa thomas style things where she's not scoring 30 points right she's getting you know give or take 10 rebounds she's facilitating the ball also for like four to eight assists on any given day or maybe she's getting you know two three blocks or maybe she's getting one two steals um while also putting up you know around five to eight points a game give or take depending on when she's actually hitting shots so i think that like for me, I always talk about like sliders, right? As if life was a video game. For me, it's like Diamond Miller's scoring and agility, whatever sliders and speed sliders are through the roof. But then her other stuff are like lower than mid. Right. But then you talk about Dorka and it's all tight. When when kind of comparing the those two, you know, with, specifically with the Lynx history, um, I would compare Dorka to almost like a Rebecca Brunson where she mm. does everything, but she doesn't do a lot of something she just does mm-hmm. an even mm-hmm. amount of everything um and jess shepherd's kind of that player too but when when it comes to diamond i, I almost view her as like a, a simone augustus where she can take a game over whoa man whoa whoa now i'm not saying i'm not saying she is but you know she's that that same kind of player where she you know she might not do you know all the little things she might not you know have an all-around game but she can go off for 30 points she could go off for you know 20 25 30 points and she can take a game over and she has that energy and that you know athleticism which you can't teach and I I think that that's maybe where I think a lot of people get kind of wowed because that is that is what wows people that that energy the athleticism being able to take the game over that kind of stuff nobody you know, and this isn't a knock on Dorka, but nobody wants to see somebody go for, you know, five points, five boards, five blocks, five assists. Like nobody wants to see that, but that's what wins you games. Yeah, it doesn't sell tickets, but it wins you games. Right, exactly. And and that's where I think the the Diamond Miller kind of, um, I I guess you could say, you know, the the look of you know what she could be is is so intriguing to a lot of people. Yeah, that's fair. But, when when it comes to you know next season now this team is going to look different again um they're gonna you know there's yeah there's going to be probably well the the deals are obviously going to look different the contracts are going to look different because there's some big ones coming off the boards but you know not and and there's going to be some stuff that takes place in the offseason too that that you know we talked about they're going to try and go get some players or they're going to try and you know add to this team yet but when it comes to next year and and just looking at the roster that we had in 2023, what are your expectations for next year? Do you think they maybe have a similar year? Do you think they take a next step? Do they take a step back? What, what are you thinking for, for 2024? That's an interesting question because I think it can go a very easily variety of ways, right? Players often... Now that you're one season in, the opponents have more tape to study on you, understand what you're doing in this offense, understand where your game is in certain ways, what you like to do, and are able to adjust to that um, and kind of build around that, right? And have better scouts on you. So often, not always, but often you do see maybe not the growth you wanted to see from years one to years two, 
Um, and that's why I often look at three to five. But I think for this team, it's going to be really interesting because it very much relies on the moves that they make. If you just look at it from a simplistic view of Ariel Powers was 200K, Natalie Chanwo was 155. If you fill two players, you know, one score who's a vet and one, you know, maybe you don't need another big to fill her, but that's a nice chunk of, of contract size. So while I sit here and I go, oh, they shouldn't bring back the same exact players. Bridget Carlton is a great bench role player, right? Milic is an MVP. No, Milic is a really fun fan favorite type player who should have gotten more minutes. Um, but I think because they were trying to grow Dorka, they didn't give her more minutes. So I almost think that like Minnesota, even if they ran back a similar squad and just replaced Powers and Achanwa with, you know, similar right a bench level scorer and a, a role player big and they were more focused on trying to win versus trying to develop then i think you you're talking about a team that is probably in a similar situation now what happens it, it's hard to kind of envision what happens for a team because there's so many ifs around the league what's going on in chicago la seattle phoenix um and those are the teams that are kind of like big question marks. And you could even throw a big question mark DC's way. So I think it's going to be interesting. It's more so dependent on the lay of the rest of the land than on Minnesota. I think Minnesota needs to put their blinders on and just say, look, our mission is to build around fee. We know Dorka is a great piece to pair with fee. We know Kayla McBride and fee are a great buddy cop duo. Right. We know Diamond Miller has growth that needs to happen. What are the positions that we need to surround fee with? And I think it's movement and it's shooting. And like you said, guard play, specifically consistency in the point guard position. Um, And I would hope they go young and just commit to knowing that unless they, you know, sign a Skylar Diggins Smith or sign a Natasha Cloud, Likely there isn't another based off of like my skimming the free agents, right? Like there isn't another point guard out there, in my opinion, that puts them as a contender with this current roster, right? If you replace powers with Natasha cloud or Skylar Diggins Smith, you can make an argument, convince me fine that given more time of gelling, you know, in 2025, this team is going to be a contender. Because Dorka and Miller are going to grow and Fee's only getting better. Fine. You can convince me of that. Um, But if that doesn't happen, I hope they go the youth route and understand that even in the best case scenario, they weren't contenders till 2025. It should be about growth kind of in the Atlanta dream way, like step by step, focus on your plan. Don't focus on the noise around you to quote uh, the great Derek Zoolander. You know, don't look at the beautiful people around you. Uh, uh, that that's yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably tattoo that on my forearm. Um, <laughs> well, I I agree with you that that they need to next year will be another year of focusing on you know building up that that core, and I I think the the 2024 season how successful the links are. And I view them as, as kind of a similar team next year, even regardless of who they add to the team, 
similar to what they did this year is what they're going to be next year. As far as being, you know, a team that's maybe around that four, five, six mark, um, but they're not going to be below and they're not going to, you know, jump up into that, that top, you know, maybe top three range. Can I say um, a nice thing based on what you just said? Yeah. Cause I know often people think I don't say anything nice about the links. Um, I think that if they are in a similar position, right. Seating wise, whatever, it will be better basketball. Yeah. Because I think at times like, and maybe I focus too much on that, but like at times the basketball is just not great basketball. And it almost like we've talked about this. If you look at like the general advanced stats of this team, they were a lottery team. Oh yeah. They found ways to win close games. And because of that, they were able to make the playoffs, excuse me, and have a good seed or a fairly good seed. Um, And so I think like if, if we continue, if we saw similarness next year, it would be better basketball, maybe similar seeding. But I do think that this team, if they make, you know, one to two signings of some actual shooters could be a much better team. Yeah. I, I, I do think too, that it'll ride heavily on the step that diamond Miller can take or does take. Um, you know, if she has a similar year to this year, they're going to be a very similar team. If she's, able to take that next step, you know, starting at the beginning of next year or at some point in the season, and she's just more consistent, this team will be a better team. They're going to be, you know, more well-rounded. They are going to have maybe a, a, you know, a third player to go into a, you know, build onto the big two that is Kayla McBride and, and Nafisa Collier. That was something the team talked about, um, you know, at the end of the year, Cheryl Reeve was, was kind of blunt about it where she said, we had a big two, we didn't have a big three. We were searching for a third to add to a big three, but we we couldn't find find one. Um, and that's you know not necessarily a knock on any one player, but that just means somebody has to step into that role, and Diamond Miller has to be that player because if you're looking at the roster that that they had in 2023, I don't think any other player can fill in that role. Um, you know more than you know somebody like Diamond Miller could. And next year we'll be we'll be telling to see how she takes the next step or if she's able to take the next step and, and just I'll say Dorka could yeah I, th- I think and and let me be abundantly clear because diamond offensive like it's going to be it will take a bigger leap for Dorka than it would for diamond mm-hmm. offensively um but I do think look diamond or Dorka averaged six points a game this season on five attempts if she starts shooting closer to seven or eight attempts a game and she's putting up closer to 10 points a game. That's a very, you like, I don't know. I think that eases the pressure on a diamond or on a Kayla McBride. So I think like when we talk about the growth, if we talk about Dorka also growing with diamond, because realistically for me, what does Dorka's growth need to be? Just more confidence in shooting and, and pull the trigger more diamond. It's more of a like, work on this work on you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because like she has that like insane amazing ability sometimes she does some moves that only would work in college and won't work in the pros but yeah sorry i shouldn't have interrupted you (laughs) no i i agree with that i i it's it not it's not a knock on dorka and i'm not trying to make it sound like it if you know not putting her name in that conversation i just think that you know like we talked about earlier diamond ceiling is just I think so high that if she's able to live up to that to some extent and now next year, she probably won't get to where she could, 
it might take, you know, like you said, three to four years, but she needs to show that sign of progress next year. Um, and, and that's, you know, she was never going to be a, an Aaliyah Boston where she could just come in and, and be, you know, a borderline all-star right away. But, you know, she's somebody who definitely could. It's just going to take some time for her. She needs um, to get to the free throw line more. And yes, hit free throws and three-pointers are the two things she needs to work on offensively. Yep. And and that's one thing with Dorka and Diamond. They've they both talked about that during the year that that they need to be more consistent three point threats. And that's something that Diamond, you know, increased throughout the year. She, you know, even mentioned in the middle of the year, that's something she was focusing on. Um, because like we, you know, we talked about at the beginning, they need more three point shooting. They need at least a threat from three. Um, and that'll open up everything else for for the rest of the team. But I th- this team is still, you know, I don't feel this is going to sound bad, but I don't feel in a better spot of where, you know, compared to where I was at the beginning of the season, there's still, um, there's still a lot of questions I think with this team. And, and I don't feel more confident that we have a lot of those questions answered yet, if that makes sense. Um, but this, you know, the 2024 season, what they're able to do this off season, what they're able to, um, you know, build in, in 2024 will, will be a very key um, aspect to the future of this team and, and what they're ultimately able to do. But very true. Very true. Oh man. I we could go on for like I know. We we'll uh we we definitely uh we'll have to do it again because we could probably sit here for about three hours. We might have to do like a three-part podcast in the offseason just love breaking it. down this team from player to player and, and different love aspects it. of this team. But I mean um, we we would have to do like four segments, you know, four <laughs> championships, four segments, something yeah. like that. Um take a trip down memory lane. We can do we can do it all. Oh yeah, yeah, we can do it all. I mean, yeah, no, uh yeah. What actually, uh, what for your Minnesota Lynx fans? Um, actually, let's see if you know the answer to this. Coming up on what day is officially Minnesota Lynx Day in Minnesota? Ooh, it's um, is it the day they won the 2017 WNBA finals coming up soon? I don't know what day that day was, that, I don't know either. All right, you know um, what? I'll, I know that I'll, they were playing in LA um on the what is somebody today? the 20 I think the 29th they were playing in LA. So, somebody messaged me the they can figure out without don't look it up. Don't be don't be a cheater like that. DM me and I'll send you a link's gift. Uh Ooh. if you can, the first person to message me that. Okay. I I honestly I don't know. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to talk offline about uh okay okay i showed it to him we know it everybody uh, listening who did not just see that because you can't see anything (laughs) yeah just showed me Uh, so i'm not making it up yeah well cool well Arya, i appreciate you joining um as as always it's a blast to to talk basketball but specifically links um and everybody should go check out uh the windsider playbacks too we definitely we talked some links in there we talked the rest of the league um we'll be watching the rest of the playoffs so make sure to Check out winsider.com, check out uh, the playbacks, um, interact with us on Twitter, um, all the above. So um, appreciate you joining, and we'll, we'll definitely have to do it again soon. Anytime. Anytime you want to just listen to me rant with you about uh... – <laughs> no, I just – I love it. Uh, we could talk for hours. Anytime, man. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. For sure. Thank you once again to Arya for joining the podcast this week. As I mentioned at the end of the podcast, uh, please go check out Winsider. Um, I'm I'm happy to be a part of uh, that team, and I'm lucky to be a part of that team alongside other talented writers, reporters. 
Um, and and it, there's a lot of great work that is, is being done at, at winsider.com, a lot of great content that, that you don't want to miss. So please go uh, check out that website. And also, um, as I mentioned, join our playbacks. Winsider Playbacks is a great way to, to watch games as, as you would, you know, sitting on your couch. You can even do it sitting on your couch. But we, uh, we live stream the games, um, and there's usually a couple of people on, on stage um, adding commentary, uh, the Winsider staff. Um, so you get to hear different perspectives, different voices, different, um, you know, different, you know, as I said, perspectives on the game, um, as well as we, we drop some nuggets in there. We drop some, um, some news items in there as well. Um, so you can, you can check all of that out. Check out the Winsider um, uh, Twitter or social media for all the information on when we do that, who's going to be on stage, and so on. So please uh, visit uh, playback.com forward slash Winsider or playback.tv forward slash Winsider, excuse me and uh, join our playbacks because they are a lot of fun and and i i whether i'm in the crowd um like like everybody else or if i'm on stage um, they're a lot of fun and i appreciate you guys uh joining those um adding your two cents adding your comments um, and interacting with us it's a lot of a lot of fun um and i also want to give a shout out as i do every week to jeremy rushing for producing this podcast um, a lot of you are familiar with jeremy uh, for for the the soccer coverage that that he has provided over the years at soda soccer um, he does a, a lot of great uh, stuff for the Minnesota sports scene, um, and he also helps me produce this podcast every week. So I appreciate Jeremy, all he does uh, for the Minnesota sports landscape, as well as helping out with this podcast every week. I also want to give a shout out, as I, as I also do every week, to our uh, partners here at Hitting the Hardwood. Um, before I jump into that, uh, if you know somebody, maybe you want to uh, partner with Hitting the Hardwood, send us an email, hittingthehardwood at gmail.com. Check out our website to uh, fill out the form um, to, to contact us. Or you can, like I said, just email us um, you know, right away at, at hittingthehardwood at gmail.com. Um, and we'll, we'll chat about what, what is a possibility, um, how we can partner, how we can help each other, how we can continue to grow the, the landscape of women's athletics, women's sports. Um, I'm always open to ideas, whatever it may be. Um, whatever partnership we can do, whether it's you know getting your name on this podcast, maybe it's getting your name elsewhere, maybe it's partnering in a different form. Um, you, I'm open to all ideas. So please go uh, uh, email if you are interested. Please email um, hittingthehardwood at gmail.com, um, and we can, we can chat more about that. Uh, but like I said, um, our, our two partners that we have right now, um, first one is Homage, second one is Better Edge. Um, let's start off with Better Edge, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com. Better Edge is a very uh, easy, simple app to use, um, use very user-friendly betting app. Um, Minneapolis-based company that, that starts it or, or started it, I should say, runs it. Um, I, I really like uh, working with Greg. We've, we've had great interactions with Greg at Better Edge and the rest of the Better Edge crew. Uh, but they do a great job in, in supporting Hitting the Hardwood as well as providing a lot of people, uh, you know, Minnesota and beyond throughout the region, throughout the country, um, with a very easy and user-friendly betting app. So please uh, check out betteredge.com. If you are a first-time user, visit betteredge.com forward slash links. Use a promo code LINKS. That's L-Y-N-X. You get $20 in free play, play when you sign up. Um, so if that's that convinces you enough to, to go use it, um, please go do that, um, and, and you can come bet against me. Um, I'll do uh, pick em competitions throughout the rest of the, the WNBA Finals or the rest of the WNBA playoffs, um, as well as I usually do other, other um, sports leagues and, and place other bets as well. So you can, you can bet in competitions. You can bet by yourself. You can bet against others. Um, there's a lot of possibilities at betteredge.com. Um, and then Homage. Homage is a, a great uh, vintage clothing store. They do a lot of modern and vintage gear. Um, 
I currently have the Minnesota Lynx t-shirt, Minnesota Lynx hoodie, and the charcoal WNBA t-shirt. Love all three of them. Um, as I always mention, I, I need to go purchase more. I always forget to do so. I currently am rocking my hitting the hardwood gear, but I love the, the homage um, gear and, and everything that they provide. I also really like the vintage stuff that they have. They have old style, old school um, t-shirts, WNBA t-shirts, throwback. I know somebody that I just talked to just had purchased a Detroit Shock throwback shirt, which is awesome. Um, you can you can go visit them at homage.com. You can get WNBA gear, basketball gear. You can get other sports. Any sport you can think of, you can find at Homage. So please uh, check them out, support them. Um, they've been great to us, and we'll we'll regularly do um, kind of giveaways throughout the year through through that partnership. Um, and it's a great avenue to um, you know not only help them, but but they in return help us as well. And any sport that you can show them. Um, comes back to to help hitting a hardwood in the end. So appreciate uh, you guys checking out Better Edge and Homage. Um, and once again, that's B-T-T-O-R-Edge.com, betteredge.com, and homage, H-O-M-A-G-E.com. You can also find a lot of that information on our Hitting the Hardwood website. Visit our social media to find the, the link to our website, um, and, and you can find uh, more information out about, about our partners. Um, so with that said, I, I want to thank you all for listening um, to another episode this week. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate um, you guys tuning in every week throughout the WNBA season. As I mentioned, just because the WNBA season is over, just because well, the WNBA season's not over, but the, just because the Lynx season is over, does not mean this podcast stops. We'll continue this podcast um, as as long as I'm I'm able to do so. So we will we'll continue doing this, bringing it to you every week. I really enjoy doing this every week and and kind of offering a, a different aspect of coverage and uh, links, news, and information that, that I haven't before. So thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the, the postseason. Enjoy the WNBA Finals, which will be starting up here. First game one is October 8th between uh, Las Vegas and either New York or Connecticut. Um, it should be a really fun WNBA Finals to cap off what has been a great season. So I will talk to you soon. I will see you next Tuesday. Once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you all have a great week.